Hey, thanks for joining us for this fourth episode of the Climate Kopitiam. Today, you are chatting with me, Debbie, from SG Climate Rally, as well as our very special guest, all the way from the Philippines, Mitzi Jonel Tan, from Youth Advocates for Climate Action Philippines, which is like the Fridays for Future of the Philippines. Mitzi is a strong voice on anti-imperialism, anti-colonization and the intersectionality of the climate crisis. She is committed to changing the system and building a world that prioritizes people and the planet instead of profit through organizing based off collective action. This is our second episode speaking with climate advocates in Southeast Asia and is part of a series tied with SG Climate Rally 2023. Do check out our first episode, which was featuring Aru from Klima Action Malaysia, if you haven't already. SG Climate Rally 2023 will be happening on 23rd September at Hongland Park from 3 to 7 p.m. The climate crisis is an existential threat that transcends national borders, affecting people, ecosystems and economies worldwide. Southeast Asia is home to some of the most climate-vulnerable countries. As a high-income country, profiting from the extraction of resources throughout Southeast Asia, Singapore has a long-overdue responsibility to stand in solidarity with her neighbours in the fight for climate justice. Over the years, SG Climate Rally has tried to foster regional solidarity through co-organising regional initiatives such as the Online Asia Climate Rally. For our rally this year, we aim to continue building regional solidarity in the climate movement by more concretely amplifying the voices and stories of communities across Southeast Asia. Without further ado, let's jump into the Kopi Chat with Mitzi. Joining us today from the Philippines, is Mitzi Jonel Tan from Youth Advocates for Climate Action Philippines. Mitzi, great to have you on the podcast today. Can you first introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us more about Yaka? Thank you so much for having me, Debbie. Hi, everyone. I'm Mitzi Jonel Tan. I'm a full-time climate justice activist from the Philippines. I organize with Youth Advocates for Climate Action Philippines, or YACAP, which is an alliance of young individuals, but also youth organizations, student councils, student governments um, that are fighting for five points of unity, mainly climate justice, urgency of climate action, Defense of Environmental Defenders, Youth-Led Collective Action, and System Change. So we're a nationwide alliance that's basically fighting for climate justice and really emphasizing that the climate crisis isn't just an environmental problem, but really a systemic problem that affects people at its core. Amazing. I love that. Now, can you tell us a bit more about how your organization operates? So as I said earlier, we are an alliance, which I think is really special about us because we have individuals and we have chapters as well but then we're also able to mobilize existing organizations and movements and bring them together so for example we have youth organizations that are focused on biodiversity and so they approach the climate crisis with a biodiversity perspective we have youth organizations that are more in science and so they approach with a scientific perspective but we also have youth organizations that are more on um, oceans and so they focus on the ocean perspective and sometimes we have 
we also have a youth organization that's more on like arts and and um literature and so they approach the climate crisis in the literature um and bringing the creative storytelling aspect so i think it's such a crucial and important way to be able to really unite the broadest sector of the youth towards a common goal um something that we also really make sure to do is that we bring our young students and young people to the frontline communities of our small farmers, our small fisher folk, our indigenous peoples, so that we're able to learn from them and learn from their experiences and really ground our activism in the reality of the Philippines. That's amazing. I think groundwork is so important, especially in the climate movement. And it's amazing how you guys are bringing such a diversity of perspectives, which is very, very necessary too in the climate movement. So I think the arts and literature perspective is especially interesting. And it's not a perspective that we often take when it comes to thinking about the climate movement. Can you share a bit more about what this chapter does and how they contribute to climate advocacy so our member organization that focuses on literature and and storytelling is called dream dreams of a generation um what they do is basically understanding that to build the world of climate justice we need to be able to imagine it and how do we do that it's through storytelling it's through um, using the arts and the creative spaces to put in people's mind's eye what we're fighting for it's also uh, a way for young people to express themselves and especially feelings of climate anxiety and climate grief but also climate joy they are also able to really tap into a different audience who would normally be more afraid of the scientific aspect real as like the the really sadder aspects and so we're able to tap into a newer and different audience with the creative scene and also I think storytelling in general is one of our best tools in order to organize people in order to raise awareness because as humans and as as humanity it's something that's really natural to us to tell stories to each other and so we need to take advantage of this tool that we have in order to bring people into the climate justice movement right that's so beautiful well, how then is climate justice broadly as a concept being received in the Philippines? It's interesting because we are one of the most climate vulnerable countries in the world. In general, most people still don't have access to climate education or climate science. And so now, over the years of work that climate movements have been doing, not just the young people, not just us, more and more people understanding the word climate change and associating it to the typhoons that we're experiencing, but not necessarily about who is behind the climate crisis. It's still seen as a natural right. act of God or that it is a problem that's caused by the pollution of an everyday person of single-use plastic, etc., and not the fossil fuel industry, not the multinational companies, not the rich imperialist global north countries that have caused the climate crisis, right? So um, in terms of the aspect of climate justice, when it depends on who you're talking to if you're talking to small farmers and small fisher folk and indigenous peoples who are also fighting for their rights and fighting for justice it's easier for them to grasp the context once you've talked to them about it and explained and, and explained that how what they're fighting against the injustices they're fighting against that's also the injustice of the climate with and it's the same with young people it's also a lot easier to to explain this to them but it, there has to be some level of understanding first of the socioeconomic injustices of the country as well before they really grasp the idea of climate justice. 
Mm, and I, I'm sure Philippines is not alone in that issue, honestly. Climate justice is such a well-understood concept across the globe, I think, at this point. And it's, it's great to hear that you guys are really engaging with communities on the ground to educate them about this injustice that is happening to them. And in fact, to rally them around their, to fight for, you know, their own rights and the rights of everyone who who is being affected by this. So can you tell us more about your work with local communities and how you engage with people on the ground? It's it's actually really interesting because the communities that we're interacting with, because they face great oppression and repression, there you find the greatest voices of resistance also. And so wow. they're often already organizing towards justice and for their rights and our role is only to show them the connection to climate. That way we strengthen their fight and we strengthen our fight, but we have so much to learn from them and not the other way around. It's really us who's learning from them and their struggle and how they fight for justice. And we just give them words for the climate change that they already know and experience as well. It's as if when we talk to fisher folk and they talk about how these huge reclamation and dredging boats and ships are destroying the ocean's ecosystems and destroying their livelihood, we just tell them this is actually also the reason why the storm surges are strengthening, are, are getting worse. Um, and so it's it's really just putting a label almost to what they're already experiencing and what they already know. And that's the crucial relationship that we should have, I think, as people with more privilege towards those who have less privilege, that we understand that there's so much to learn from them and not the other way around. Right. That is so important indeed. Can you share with us some of your biggest takeaways from working with these communities on the ground? Something that I was taught and learned early on is that the masses love you. I, I learned this during one of my first days as an activist. Back then, it wasn't climate specific yet. It was more of students' rights, but also I was spending a lot of time in workers' picket lines. And there was this one worker in this factory who was on a strike that said that they found so much hope and inspiration from us students going to their strike. Wow. And, right? And it, it shocked me because I was like, I get hope from you. I oh you know and it, it's it's really so that. sweet yeah. yeah yeah people are just getting hope from each other and this is something that a lot of activists will also tell you because the Philippines is such a dangerous place for environmental defenders and activists in general the people that you know you can count on are the masses they will shelter you they will pick you up they will love you and embrace you and always accept you and that's why I also believe that there shouldn't be any gatekeeping when it comes to activism because the masses, like the marginalized masses who are facing the greatest forms of repression and oppression, they will always accept you. They will always accept anyone. So those of us like activists who have who do have a little bit more privilege, who are we to say no to some people just because they don't see the same things as we do, right? Right. I'm so heartened to hear the people power that is really happening in the Philippines. Yeah. This is so encouraging. Yeah, but I'm sure that there must be challenges, right? When it comes to organizing. And you mentioned that it's a Philippines is a very dangerous place for climate activists. Can you talk a bit more about that? So the Philippines has been one of the most dangerous countries in the world for environmental defenders and activists for the past 12 years. Um, we're always in the top five or top three. In Asia, for the past 12 years, we've been the 
the most dangerous country for environmental defenders and activists. This is because these environmental defenders and activists go up against large-scale mining corporations, the monocrop plantations and the landlords that are destroying the land, the going up against the mega dams that are destroying our, our waterways and our rivers, going up against reclamation projects and large-scale fishing projects that are destroying our oceans. And so our small farmers, our small fisher folk, our indigenous peoples, they're put at risk because they're threatening the status quo and they're threatening the power. And our government decides to protect the polluters versus listening to our environmental defenders. So just recently, two anti-reclamation activists, Janila Castro and Jed Damano, were actually abducted. This was on the September 2nd by four armed men in Bataan, where Janila and Jed were just preparing relief operations and consultations among the community. Uh, a few months back, Dexter Capuyan and Bazud Jesus, who are indigenous rights activists, were also disappeared. There's a, a land defender named Karina de la Serna who has been in prison since she was 18 years old, and she's now 21 years old, and she's still in prison today. There, there was just a few months ago, the Fausto family, a family of peasants, were killed. So this includes their two young children who were 14 years old and 12 years old, respectively. This is the culture of impunity in the Philippines, especially in rural areas for our environmental defenders and activists, where militarization is rampant and there's actual bombing of our rural areas. Oh my gosh. Wow. I am so sad to hear about this and my heart goes out to everyone who has been really physically like robbed of their lives or hurt in any way because they are simply fighting for what is right, simply fighting for their rights to a sustainable and equitable future, essentially, a safe future. And it's crazy to me that the powers of capitalism have been so ingrained in our governance systems that this has been enabled to go on and it has in fact become a culture as you have said so how do these rural communities then come together time and time again in order to really fight for their rights like what motivates them to answer that question i'll share the story of how i first became an activist so in 2017, I was able to talk to a Lumad indigenous leader. And he was telling us about how they were being harassed and displaced and militarized and killed. And then so simply, he shrugged and chuckled and said, that's why we have no choice but to fight back. And that burst my bubble of privilege because at that point, I was going to some protests. I was going to some picket lines, but I didn't know if this was something that I wanted to commit to. And then he said, so simply, we have no choice but to fight back. And that's really it. We are being attacked, and this is self-defense. The people that we love, the nature and, and the environment that we love is being attacked. And so we have no choice but to fight back. Over time, this, this idea for me has really grown into more, realizing that everything I love and will ever love is on this planet. And our planet is under attack. And wouldn't you do everything that you can do to protect and fight for the people you love? the places that you love, the experiences that you love. And everything we love is here. Thank you for saying that. I have nothing but respect for the bravery and for the courage that all these communities have. And 
are choosing to fight back every single day. Really, I think what you said about everything we love being on this planet is rings true for all of us, really. And I think in the privileged world, there is often a illusion that is being uh that is clouding our vision in terms of us not recognizing that in fact we are all under attack and i feel yeah. like that's why it's so hard to move urban populations especially to mobilize them for climate action and i unfortunately this is so in singapore and Hearing all these stories, I hope people recognize that they also have a great responsibility to our friends in the region and the environment because we are we are children of Mother Earth, not to our individual nationalities or to any single corporation, really. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I that was the same realization I had. I I had this bubble of privilege that was protecting me almost from seeing all of this but we have a quote in Filipina that goes once your eyes have been opened it almost feels like a sin to close them again once you see it right like once you start seeing what's happening around you and once you start seeing that you're actually also affected by it you've just been fooled to believe that you're okay and that you're safe but you actually are also affected by all of this and once you start to realize that and understand it it's it's a it's a different feeling but it also I think something that's really important because it's really easy to really fall into despair after that, right? Like, oh shit, everything's horrible. That's but it's true. really important to remember that uh, there's a strong resistance happening already across the world. And we are not alone. And empires have fallen in the past and empires will fall again. It's only a matter of time. This is our generation's newest wave of revolution if you look at every historical moment in society young people have been there alongside the most marginalized leading the way to revolution this is our generation's turn and i know that the future that we're building the better world that we're building i've already seen pockets of it it already exists it exists in the community spaces that we build to each other it exists in the international solidarity within youth groups it exists in the resistance of our people. And when we look into that, and when I've really seen that possibility, it's so hard to give it up because I know the safety and the joy and the love that I can feel within it. And I can't, I can't let go of that. Wow. Talking to you makes me feel so hopeful. And so inspired about the work that we are all part of. Yeah. And I'm so proud of our generation and proud of everyone who has stood up to fight for our planet and for our future and for our lives yeah and i do hope we continue this momentum as you have said can you share more about seeing the possibilities of like the world that we are building what possibilities have you seen i've seen farming communities here in the philippines that really have defended their land they're, they're, they're called lupang ramos they're really cool. They used to be a sugar crop plantation and also like just a place to throw trash on for the landlords who own it. So in for context, the Philippines, we still have landlords. Imagine like medieval times with the small farmers. That's still how it looks like here. Ooh. And so they actually took back their land by planting and just tilling the land. 
what they want to tell, which is naturally right. in line with the ecosystem because they know that mm. and they understand the soil. They know that if we plant only the same kind of plant every time, the soil's fertility will die. And so we need to take care of that. So they 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 follow the seasons to make sure that the plant the soil gets replenished after each plant, depending on what the plant is. And then they also have a shared sales after where they have they basically have almost like a communal farm or a cooperative of a farm where a portion of what they kill, they share to the whole community. Um, and then they oh. have shared funds that are for emergencies, etc. It's it's really such a beautiful culture. I've also seen it in protests with young people and everyone's fighting and everyone feels safe enough to yell and shout and feel their emotions. We've been taught that we're not allowed to be angry. We're not allowed to be sad. This is the normal thing. But when we see that people are angry, when we see that people are able to speak their mind, that's a pocket of the future that we're fighting for, right? It's yes. in spaces like these, like the, this this podcast where we're talking from across the world and showing that borders isn't something that will stop us from collaborating. Mm -hmm. That borders and a language barrier even isn't going to stop us from fighting for the same thing together. I also see it in the love and that, that I have with my co-activists and the safety that I feel to be embraced by them and to not always have to fight and not always have to be on edge to see if something wrong is going to happen, but really feeling safe with them. I think climate justice is really just a feeling of safety and joy and fighting to make sure that every single person has that has the feeling of safety to express any emotion that they have. I'm absolutely floored by the amount of respect for nature, the kind of relationships between people and with the land that is really living on to this day. I think a lot of times living in the city, I start to doubt whether this is whether this is actually true and whether it can be a possibility. And so it's so encouraging to hear that people are living our future and they are continuing to protect the kind of spaces that we want to to expand and i'm absolutely heartened once again to be able to talk to you all the way from the philippines just through a zoom call <laughs> and exactly that climate action should transcend borders because we are indeed responsible for our entire like global commons right and so can you tell us a bit more about your experiences working with climate groups in the region and as well as internationally some of my favorite campaigns is when um, groups team up following the flow of capital almost so a concrete example isn't actually with me it was with Fridays for Future Japan and Fridays for Future Bangladesh where I think a bank in Japan was funding a fossil fuel company in Bangladesh and so um, the activists in Bangladesh were protesting against the fossil fuel company in their home and then the activists in Japan were, were protesting in front of the um, bank in Japan and they did a coordinated campaign to show that hey from from where we are at home to the place where you're investing, no one is happy with this. And it was a great campaign and they succeeded. Amazing. We did something, right? It's I think that yeah. I think those are the, like the coolest kinds of 
uh, campaigns. We did something similar where activists in New York protested against the militarization and the U.S. military's exercises here in the Philippines, uh, while the people in the Philippines were also protesting against it. I think coordinated campaigns like this is so important. We did something also with another bank in the UK, which was a global campaign. And it's not just protesting, but also doing petitions, doing letters, doing email lobbying. And I think these are only a few examples of the things that we could do together, but really following that flow of capital, because most of the time, the finances will come from the global north, right? And the destruction will be in the global south. So following that and protesting against both, I think is really powerful. That is really interesting and indeed really, really powerful. I have actually never heard someone mention about following the flow of capital. And I think it's only really mentioned when it, we're talking about the loss and damage fund or climate reparations. So it's really interesting to hear that, oh, maybe activists should also follow that and from there, we can kind of pinpoint the root, right, of the problem and resolve it together. Yeah, That's exactly. so innovative. Yeah. Do you have any... So besides all these coordinated campaigns, if you were to dream big, what could regional collaboration like really ideally look like? I think having an alliance of young people in the region sharing their campaigns and their struggles is really crucial and important. If we could have a united set of demands for our leaders in the ASEAN, for example, this could be really strong because they're conspiring together. So we should conspire together as well. You know, they have their own right. set of negotiations. We should have them as well and, and hand this to them and say, this is what the youth of this Ian say. This is what the youth of the Southeast Asia or the Asia Pacific are saying. This is what we demand from our leaders. This is what you need to do and step up. Okay, we'll work on it after this call. <laughs> <laughs> noted, noted. <laughs> Would you have anything to ask of the people of Singapore how we can directly support you in the Philippines? I think the very first step and the best thing is for people of Singapore to get organized, to join a community, to join a group, maybe Singapore Climate Rally, whatever. I don't, whatever <laughs> group trying. you guys want to join. Yes. <laughs> um, but I think it's so important that we see the power in numbers and that it really is through this collective action that we're able to move safely, one, but also demand greater things and be in solidarity with each other. Whatever work that you guys are doing there to ensure that Singapore follows the climate uh, targets, follows reparations and loss and damage will help us in the Philippines, but also more directly um, our social media, Yaka Philippines at YACA Philippines posts sometimes about calls for justice for environmental defenders and activists who have been uh, arrested or disappeared or slain and joining the demands for the justice for these people will help a lot. We also do donations for our relief operations. So sharing that or even donating yourself, even if it's a really small amount, actually goes a lot in the Philippines so that we can help the people who are most impacted by the climate impacts whenever there are super typhoons as well, since we also do relief operations. Uh, and things like that. I think building friendships and connection is how you start to topple down the imperialist system because we've been taught that we're separate from each other and not part of this ecosystem of people and nature we are part of nature we are connected to each other the same way that we've been taught that the trees the animals etc they're all part of this ecosystem 
people are part of that ecosystem as well. And so the more that we connect to each other, the more that we realize our strengths and the more that we realize that we can change things. I don't know if you know Toy Story. I don't know, not Toy Story, A Bug's yeah. Life, A Bug's Life. Oh, okay, okay, um, yes. Where there was the ant that was say, the grasshoppers were talking about how one ant is okay, but if you have all the ants come up together and fight back, they will destroy the grasshoppers. That's us, right? We just need to realize that we have that power and we have that strength. Indeed. I love this note of taking back our power from the imperialists and really bending together to fight for our future. Thank you so much, Mitzi, for this inspiring conversation now to conclude we can we'll give you like one minute to plug anything you want so any projects that Jakob has been doing or any final words follow us on social media at yaca philippines on twitter and instagram and facebook and tiktok i think and look out there what we're doing uh one of our next projects is we're doing a fashion show in a few weeks uh, that's called Fashion Against Fascism and Fossil Fuels. So helping share that and help share our message actually helps a lot. Raising awareness about the issues in the Philippines is actually really, really helpful for our context because our leaders are afraid of the international community and they're afraid of being called out outside of the country. Uh, so let's take advantage of that fear and really yes. make some noise. Yes. Okay. I actually wonder if it's possible to institute anything like in the International Court of Justice or something to really protect us who deserve to be protected and protect nature. I think there are groups that are now trying to get the to get environmental defenders' rights in the ASEAN, but it's been yeah. difficult because apparently right. it's not recognized in all countries that we have a right uh, to safe environment. We'll get there one day. We will, we will. all the work that we're doing. Thank you so much, Mitzi, for giving us insight into the work of climate activists in the Philippines and what the communities there are fighting for. I'm sure all our hearts go out to those who are suffering from violence and oppression at the hands of those in power. In the face of such tyrannical violence against climate advocates, I call upon fellow Singaporeans to raise our voices on their behalf and apply pressure on the Philippines government and all aggressive parties involved to release those who have been kidnapped. In fact, we call upon the Philippines government to put in place protections to safeguard the practice of peaceful advocacy instead of protecting these mafia conglomerates that are harming the Filipino people. It is a clear case of the rich and powerful and greedy who are afraid of the inevitable consequences to their businesses in the face of environmental justice and on our journey to a safe and sustainable future. We cannot stand by and allow this to happen under our very noses. Even though we do not have complete freedom of speech in Singapore, we are so privileged to have a comparatively reliable rule of law and safety in our homeland. And it is a privilege that we need to strategically utilize to amplify the efforts of our friends in the region who are literally fighting for their lives right now. We are all human beings who want to prevent the irreversible destruction of our planet and all the species and everything that we love on it. And so we must rally together because together we can find the strength to topple these systemic injustices. 
So do check out Mitzi and Youth Advocates for Climate Action Philippines social media that are linked in the show notes below to learn more about their cause and support them on their journey. We urge all our listeners to also come down to our physical rally on 23rd September at Holin Park to raise our voices for environmental justice across the globe. The seas are rising and so are we. See you at the rally.